0: Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. We encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com. Pick the giving option that works best for you and help us to continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message.
1: Well, happy new year to you or almost new year. How are you doing? Do you have a great Christmas week? So I love these seasons and one of the things I love about these seasons is not only being able to see family and people that you want to spend time with and hang out with, but it's also to reminisce about seasons past. To think about Christmases and, and, and the things maybe you did when you were growing up. I mean, my family was awesome when it came to Christmas. It was, it was all about really they just got into it and we would go out and we would go into the woods and we'd pick out our tree and we would cut it, at, cut it down and bring it back to the house, which is funny because the tree is always bigger in the woods. Have you noticed that? It's always bigger in the woods. You get it in your home and it's like, oh my gosh, I don't know how I can even get it in here. But we would, we would do that and then we had this special time on Christmas Eve where we would go to church together as a family and then we would go over to my grandparents' house after that and we would uh, exchange gifts with them. And then the next morning, uh, we couldn't open gifts at our house until they came over and watched us open our gifts. So it was just this really cool tradition, and we had great memories of Christmases growing up. But it seems like when this season comes around, we also not only reminisce about the good times, but sometimes we reminisce about the storms in our life that we went through during these seasons. And for me, even though Christmas has great memories, New Year's is hard for me. Because New Year's is when we lost my grandfather, and it was when we lost my dad. And both, you know, uh, on New Year's Day, and uh, even though my grandfather had, had lived a long life. In fact, he died when he was 90, and he was so honorary, I didn't think he would ever die. I mean, he was just, just that kind of guy, you know, just tough and rugged. And I loved him so much, and I had this great relationship with him. And even though it was, it was, he'd been with us for so long, and he'd lived a great life, and he was saved, it still hurts. It still hurts to lose people. But with my dad, I kind of felt like he was stolen early in this life. I always felt like I kind of lost him early and that that if I would have just, I, I could have gotten more years with him or I should have gotten more years with him. And even though he actually passed away in his early 70s, he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's in his early 60s. And it was one of those slow depressions uh, as far as the illness is concerned. And for many of us, we have been touched by either cancer or Alzheimer's or some kind of debilitating disease. And, and it's affected our families. And, and with us, man, when my dad was just, we had just such a great relationship with him. And if, if there was just the perfect dad to me, he was it. Like, he was just awesome. And some of you guys know him, I mean, or knew him. Some of you guys remember him, and he was a part of our church for 20, over 20 years, and, and it was a part of building, you know, these different buildings. And he was even served on our staff for a while, and he was just this awesome, awesome person. And I had this awesome relationship with him. And so when I started to see him decline, it was hard. And when you see a loved one start to decline, it's hard. It's, it's, it doesn't even feel like a storm. It feels like a hurricane. And the hurricane seems like it, it never wants to end. And in those moments, we felt like we had to do whatever we could to bring a ray of light into the situation. I and mean, we had to try to keep upbeat. We had to try to stay positive. We had to look for the funny moments uh, as much as we could just to weather the storm. And one time, uh, my whole family or a large part of our family went to Uray, and we went to the Hot Springs, and uh, we were all over there together, and my dad was there. And even though it was kind of later on in, in the progression of his disease, he could still go do things with us. And so we were in the pool, and my nephew was with me, and uh, he's an adult, uh, a, a big guy, and he, he looks at me, he goes, you know what, Tim? He goes, I think I want to go do that water slide over there. And I go, I, I think I want to go too. And my dad goes, well, I want to go. And we're like okay, you know. He's like okay, Papa. Come on. We'll, well, we'll bring you. And and with Alzheimer's, a lot of times the person will revert back a little bit to childhood, and you have to kind of treat them like a kid because they kind of become a kid again. And so we brought him over to the slide and, and uh, uh, we wanted to make sure that we, he, he felt comfortable with it. So Curtis went up the slide first and went down and then he waited for my dad to come down. And so my dad went down and, he, and then I went after that. And when he went down, he went into this water. And if you've ever been there, the pool's only like three or four feet deep. I mean, it's, it's not scary, but because of his condition, he didn't understand that he was just in three or four feet of water, so he came down that slide, and he just started flailing. He's like, he thought he was, you know, going to drown, and so Curtis picked him up, you know, got him underneath his arms and stood him up, and he's like, it's okay, Papa, you know, you're just in three or four feet of water. It's okay, just get your feet under you, just stand up, and by that time, I had come down, and, and we got his feet under him, and, and uh, he, he, he got settled down, and Curtis goes, well, how was that? How was that, Papa? Did you like that? And he goes, no, it was awful. <laughs> and we're like, oh, okay, well, sorry. He goes, yeah, I never want to do that again. And we're like, okay, well, you know, let's get you back over with the rest of the family. So we brought him over and, and, and the rest of the family's waiting for us. And my mom goes, well, Kay, that was his name, Kay, how'd you like it? He goes, it was awful. Never want to do that again. And my mom's like, well, sorry, you know, you didn't have to go. And he's like, it's all right. And so kind of got everybody settled down. And Kurt goes, well, that was kind of fun. I want to go again. And I go, well, you know, I'll go with you. My dad goes, I want (laughs) to go. And we're like, okay, we brought him. He went down it again, flailed. He hated it. It was awful, but we could just do it over and over again. It didn't even matter. And it's in times like that, you know, where you just have to go, "Ah, I got to look for the light in this storm. And when it came to Jesus and the disciples, they faced a lot of storms, but they also faced some literal storms.
0: So they faced a literal storm in Luke chapter 8, verse 22. It says, one day Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they got in the boat and started out. As they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap. But soon, a fierce storm came down on the lake. The boat was filling up with water, and they were in real danger. The disciples went and woke him up, shouting, "'Master, Master, we're going to drown!' When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and suddenly the storm stopped, and all was calm. Then he asked them, "'Where's your faith?' The disciples were terrified and amazed. Who is this man, they asked each other. When he gives a command, even the winds and the waves obey him. So I want us to unpack this story just a little bit in Luke chapter 8 because it's a little bit crazy. Jesus is in a boat and the boat is sailing along nicely on this crisp, perfectly smooth, glassy sea. And it's been a long time day for Jesus. He's been teaching, preaching, healing people, and apparently he is exhausted. And so he gathers up the fishing nets in the middle of the boat and uses them as a pillow and just kind of lays back and he's looking up, I imagine, up at the mainsail, kind of flapping in the winds, And maybe it was the gentle rocking of the waves and maybe it was the rhythmic sound of the water just lapping up against the boat or maybe it was the warm afternoon sun just warming him, but all of a sudden, Jesus just falls asleep. Now, by trade, Jesus was a carpenter, and so it made sense that Peter, James, John, that one of those guys was sailing the boat since they were fishermen by trade, and so he's just there, out cold, sleeping. And all of a sudden, the weather takes a turn, and the wind shifts and the sky darkens and the waves pick up and they're building in heights. The sea is getting rocky and the rain is just pelting down from every side. It's cold and nearly pitch black now. And lightning is flashing across the sky, thunder cracks, and the boat begins to take on some water. The waves are so big that they're violently crashing over the side of the boat, filling it with water, and the gusts of wind threaten to capsize it. Lightning strikes just off the front of the boat, and things got real. Now, the disciples, they're experienced fishermen. One of them probably owns this boat. They've spent hundreds of nights, their entire lives, on the sea, in the dark, in a variety of storms. Yet something was so fierce about this particular storm that they didn't know what to do, they didn't know how to handle it. And so the disciples were drenched to their bones. They were cold to their core and they were scared for their lives. And it must have pained them as fishermen to have to wake up the carpenter for a little bit of help, but Jesus is asleep in the middle of their boat, in the middle of the storm. Have you ever felt like Jesus is asleep in the middle of the storm in your life? Like you're looking around at the situation you find yourself in and you're like, "What, what is he doing? What what is he up to as you're struggling with this temptation and you can't seem to fight it? Where is Jesus? Is he asleep with me, with my problem? What's going on? Maybe it's your adult child for you and, and you're stressing out about them making crazy poor decisions and you're trying to figure out how to fix it and it feels like Jesus is just asleep in the boat. And sometimes it feels that way when we're in the middle of a storm. Jesus was asleep in the boat, and it's not like it was a cruise ship. It's not like he had his own cabin that was like a luxury liner. No, he was out in the elements, the wind, the rain, everything was hitting him. He was probably asleep in a puddle. There was so much rain. The disciples were minding the mainsails, and they were probably yelling right over the top, stepping over Jesus as he's sleeping, and they're yelling about what command and what thing to do next on the boat. And he continued to sleep. And you have to ask yourself, like, how is this even possible? How can Jesus sleep in a boat in the middle of the storm while everyone around him is losing their minds?
1: Well, Jesus was successful in the storms of his life because he understood who was in control. He knew God was in control. And if we're going to be successful, we have to surrender our control to the one that can calm our storms. That's that first step that we need to think about this morning is to understand that the peace of God comes through surrender of control. And it is so hard when you're in the middle of a storm to relinquish control. It's very easy to talk about it from this standpoint. It's very easy to say, oh yeah, you need to do this or you need to do that. But when you're in the storm, to release control is the most unnatural thing that you can possibly do. The opposite of peace is the obsessive need to control control. And understand. And if we insist on being in control, we'll never be at peace. If we insist on understanding the circumstances, we'll never be at peace. I know with our situation with my dad, when he found out, we went through all of those different uh, phases of, of understanding and trying to find answers. And I mean, we went to Mexico and we tried that stuff and we tried all kinds of natural responses to, to help him and with his memory. But the truth was, was that it was happening and we couldn't do anything about it, and we couldn't control it. All we could do was give it to God. And we had to give it to God minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day. Relinquishing control is not something that you can do one time and it's done. You just can't, because your mind will always go back to the problem. It will always go back to the storm. And so for us, we've got to get very active in our prayer life. And we have to be very specific with just saying, in Jesus' name, I choose to relinquish control of this situation, of this person, of this storm to you, God. I can't fix it. I can't make it better. I can't change it. I'm giving it over to you. And so when we do that, it is the act of just saying, God, you have it. Now, we lost one of a very special staff member uh, this year um, in Jill Buck. And she was our counselor here for years. She worked here at the church for 20-some years. I've known her since, she was a little, since I was a little kid. And she, she's just this awesome, awesome person. And one of the things that she always did when, when she was struggling with something or she was telling you about an issue is she'd always just do this. And she'd say, whatever. And it was this act. It was this visual act for her to be able to go, God, you've got it. I'm not gonna think about it. I'm not gonna worry about it. I'm not gonna toil over it. And it was a beautiful thing. It is something we've got to make sure that we are doing on a regular basis. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. We must surrender our need to be in charge. We must give up the right to be in control. And in that surrender is when God's peace comes. It's a peace that passes all understanding. You won't even understand why you feel peaceful when he comes in this way, but we have to relinquish control first. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. So surrender it, give it over. There's nothing more freeing than handing an issue over to your heavenly father who has control of it anyway. And then the next thing we gotta do is we gotta understand that we have to pray rather than worry. Peace will come when we pray rather than worrying about the issue. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, most of us don't have a problem praying in a storm. That's when we pray. Mm-hmm. Usually our prayer life gets stronger in the storm. Like we, we pray hard, we pray hard, especially when we're, we're going through something tough that it directly affects us. That's when we pray the most. Our problem isn't praying in the storm. Our problem is not, it's not worrying in the storm. See, the devil comes in in times of, 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 of anguish, in times of trial, and he takes your prayer life and he turns it into worry. What we have to do and what we have to learn is that we have to pray to God about the issue just long enough to make him aware that this is our concern, this is what we're going through, and then we have to redirect our thoughts. I call it emotionally disconnecting yourself from the issue. If you don't, you will find yourself living in everybody else's storm that you care about. And your life will go from one storm to another, to another, to another. And all you do is worry. I, I, have, I have a mother-in-law and I love her so much, but she feels like it's her job in life to worry about everybody else's problems. She feels like if I can, if I can worry enough for somebody else, then it'll probably turn out okay. <laughs> have you ever thought that? Like if I, just, if, I, if I think about this enough and I worry about it enough, then it probably won't come true and then I can move on. That is, man, that is just a a lie from the devil. He wants you to worry and focus on the issue instead of focusing on him. I've done it so many times where I'll be in the middle of prayer and I'll be like, God, you know, this is going on and I need your help in this area. And would you please fix this or heal this person or whatever? And then all I do after that is I, I stop praying and then I worry. Pray long enough to give him the problem and then redirect your mind. The Bible says, bring every thought captive at, under the obedience of Christ. And Christ doesn't want you to worry about that issue. Because here's the truth. We all have enough issues in life that we have to deal with that is our responsibility. I mean, we do have to think about our spouse, so that's a responsibility. We have to think about our kids. That's, they're our responsibility. We have to think about our job. That's our responsibility. But if we're, all we're doing is worrying about storms, then we can never focus enough on what the issue really is if we're not careful we'll spend our whole life worrying about things that are completely out of our control
0: the third way that we can have peace in a storm is to recognize that our identity and who we are to god our identity is often explained by our relationships so to some people i'm a stranger and so they don't expect much out of me and they don't have these high expectations of something I'm gonna do on their behalf because to them, I'm just a stranger. To some, I am an acquaintance. To other people, I'm a pastor. To others, I'm a boss. To others, I'm a friend. Um, to some, I'm a daughter. To some, I'm a mother. To one, I am a wife. It's not Utah. So <laughs> we, we all have these different Parts of our identity that are kind of defined by the roles that we play in life. And so we can have peace from God when we recognize who our identity is to God. How does God see us? He sees us as a son or as a daughter. He sees us as beloved by him. And when we start to recognize that's a part of who we are, then we can recognize that peace is ours because of our relationship that we have to him. Jesus can sleep through a storm because he knows he's God's son. Jesus can sleep through a storm because he knows his father in heaven loves him. He can sleep through a storm because he realizes that God has a plan and a purpose for his life and it's to bless him and it's to, for his good and it's not gonna end here. And when we go through a storm, we can have the same hope, that we are God's children, that we are beloved by him, that he has a plan and a purpose for our lives as well. And when we start to realize who we really are to God, we're able to experience that peace that passes understanding. Jesus is unmoved by the storm. He's unmoved by the chaos all around him because Jesus knows his identity to the one who's holding the boat. Right? Now in this story, Jesus gets up and he rebukes the wind and the waves and it stops and it's peace and the storm is over. And sometimes that is how God moves in our life. But another story in the Bible in the book of Acts talks about how there was a storm and the apostle Paul was in the middle of the storm and it was crazy and then the ship broke apart and all of Paul and his companions were floating in the sea. So sometimes the storm doesn't just stop. But in that case, God had a plan for Paul and all of his companions and he protected them, and they all made it ashore alive, and the gospel was preached, and another time in the Bible, there's a huge storm, and what happens? Jonah gets thrown overboard, right? So not all storms just get stilled. Sometimes God has a different plan in the storm, and even with Jonah, God provided the fish. To have peace in the storm, though, we have to have two core beliefs. We have to believe that God is good. We have to believe that he's good, that he has our best interest in mind, that he has no intent to to just punish us. He takes no joy in our pain. Then, if we believe he's good, if we're in a storm, we can be confident. Second core belief we have to have is we have to believe that he loves us. We have to believe that even though we're going through whatever we're going through, that we personally and individually matter to God. That he is present in our pain. That he's with us as we're going through this storm in our life. Because Jesus knew these two huge truths about God. He could rest in peace in the midst of chaos. He could give his heavenly father complete control over the storm and did not fear. Some people have heard like a myth and they've kind of bought into that myth. And the myth is this, that Christians don't go through storms. That if you just accept Jesus in your heart, that your life is gonna be easy and simple and God will just make every sea smooth for you. And if that somehow is the impression you got from someone along the way, please know that is not the truth according to the Bible. That Christians, just like every other person on this planet, we're gonna have good days and bad days. We're gonna have problems, we're gonna have hurts, we're gonna have triumphs, we're gonna have all the aspects of life. The difference between a Christian and a non-Christian isn't that Christians don't go through storms. It's that Christians don't go through storms alone. That's the difference. This time of year, we talk about the beauty of the gospel, that Jesus came, that he was born. And one of the names we say a lot this time of year is Emmanuel, which literally translates to God with us. And so when we go through the storm, whatever the storm might be, we are with, God is with us, Emmanuel. We're together in the midst of that storm. And Jesus lived through storms in his life. And that's why... He warned us in John 16, it's, he says this, Jesus is speaking, he said, I have told you these things so that in me you will have perfect peace. This is the amplified version and confidence. In this world, you will have tribulations, trials, distress, and frustration. But be of good cheer, take courage, be confident, certain, and undaunted for I have overcome The world. I have deprived it of its power to harm you and have conquered it for you. This peace that comes from God doesn't mean smooth sailing, no storms. The difference is that God goes with us through it all, that He will never leave us or forsake us. The peace that comes from God doesn't just change the circumstances, it changes us. Jesus said it this way, John 14, he said, I am leaving you a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. So a week ago today, if your house was anything like our house, there were presents everywhere, right? Like stuffed under the tree, laying all over, and it was a very exciting time. But one week later, what's happened with all those gifts? They've been given, and they've been received. And a gift has to both be given, and it has to be received, right? You give it to your kids, they unwrap it, you then spend six hours assembling it, and then they play with it. That was my Christmas. Um, But Jesus is saying in John 14, I have given you a gift, but we still have to receive that gift. We have to unwrap that gift and we have to implement that gift into our lives. We can't just leave the gift of peace that he gives us just sitting under the tree. We have to make a deliberate, personal, individual choice to unwrap. Now what Jesus says about this gift is he gives a gift of peace that's not the kind of peace the world can give. The world says peace comes when everything is going perfectly. The world says peace is when things are right. Peace are when things are smooth. Peace are when things are easy. Peace are when things are going just how you want. But Jesus says, no, oh, no, 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 no. That's not the kind of peace I'm giving you. Jesus is saying, I'm giving you a peace that no matter what happens, no matter what storm, no matter what disappointment, no matter what frustration, no matter what plot twist comes your way, that you can be unmoved. You can be confident and at peace. No matter what storm is raging all around you, you are confident because you stand on the rock and you might tremble while you stand on that rock, but the rock never moves. That's the peace that God gives to us. And I don't know what the storm is in your life today, Maybe it's a financial storm. Maybe it's a health storm. Maybe the crisis for you is a relational storm. Maybe you're going through a job stress storm or a spiritual storm. Maybe your life is a toddler tornado. I I don't know what the storm is that's hitting your life, but I do know this. I do know that we cannot just lose our peace because there's chaos around us our father god is holding the boat and we can sleep in perfect peace in his presence and this peace becomes an anchor to our soul that's what isaiah says in chapter 26 it says you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you all whose thoughts are fixed on you and i believe that jesus wants to give us this gift this Christmas season. As 2017 is, is wrapping up and we're looking at the new year and everything that was gonna happen in this new year, I think the gift God wants to make sure we all have unwrapped is His peace. So that come what may, we can be at peace in His presence, in the storm, just the same as we are when it's all smooth sailing. Some of us, if we're really honest, realize that we're in the boat and the storm's raging and it's all going crazy and we're up yelling. We're yelling at the waves and we're yelling at the wind and maybe even we're yelling at some of the other people in the boat. Because isn't that what happens when a storm comes and the stress comes, and the pressure We tend to take it out on the people nearest us, the others in the boat that we love the most in this life. And so maybe as this year is coming to an end and you're trying to figure out how to access God's peace, maybe one step for you is that you maybe owe someone an apology that's in your boat. Maybe you owe them an apology for the stress or the tension or the pressure that you've been putting on them during the storm. So maybe that's an action step for you later today. But relinquishing control. You don't have to stand. You don't have to yell at the waves and the wind. You can just rest in his peace. For some of us, I believe, as I've been preparing this message, God put it on my heart so strong that for some of you, he wants to restore actual rest, actual sleep to you. Because as you've gone through the storms in your life as of late, they've kept you up at night. You're laying in bed and you're supposed to be sleeping, but you're not because your mind is just pacing the floor and you're thinking through the problem every which way, trying to solve it like it's a Rubik's cube. And God is saying to you, he wants to bless you with peace, with sleep this next year. He wants you to receive the ability as you lay in bed and your mind just starts to do what it does, Worrying. Maybe you call it something else. You call it something like problem solving, something nicer. But as you lay in your bed and ultimately, if you're honest, you know that you're worrying, just relinquish that to God and just say, God, I give these concerns to you. Make it a quick prayer and then disengage. And I believe that for some of you, you're going to experience rest. You're going to experience sleep that has been stolen for you for quite some time during your storm. For some of us, I believe God wants to speak to you and just let you know, he's got this. He's got you. In the midst of this storm, he has a plan and a purpose and he is in control. And for you, I just wanna say, hold on to hope and hold on to him because he's got you.
2: Thank you for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord and that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer at all, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or by email at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week.